Welcome to Fireside Breakdowns. I'm Robin. And I'm John. Together, we research and break down complex and timely topics facing our society and bring our findings to you every week. Our promise to you is to bring you honest analysis backed by research, to skew our bias toward what can be factually supported, and to try to make it clear when we're giving our opinion versus speaking about actual research. Naturally, we're human. We have blind spots and biases, and they will show through. But our goal isn't to convince you to think any certain way. We want to give everyone a foundational understanding of these complicated topics so that together we can discuss and address them in a thoughtful and beneficial way. Because of the topics we cover, some of our episodes may get heavy, and some topics might seem divisive. But we believe that, even on these issues, common understanding can be found. And we hope those of you listening agree. We don't accept that the current state of society is the way it must be. Together, through discussion and on common ground, we can build a better world for ourselves and future generations. So we suggest getting comfortable and maybe having a good drink on hand as we work through this stuff. Welcome to our fireside. Hold our usual podcasting standards. I'm going to let all of our audience know that this entire episode is basically opinion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes. And why yeah. is it all opinion? Oh, because it's Sunday night at 738 Eastern time and this launches in 11 hours and 22 minutes. And mm-hmm. this is literally the first chance either of us have gotten all week to work on the podcast at all. Yeah, it was a freight train of a week. Personally, professionally, parentally. It was just a week. Yep, same here. Uh, sans parentally, I, I guess I'm the dad to a very fat orange tabby, if that yeah. counts, but it, it doesn't I mean, really. cats have issues too. Oh man, does he ever. Uh, but basically what that means for the podcast is that we did not have time to research what we wanted to research for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. But but we think we can present something that we've been wanting to do anyway, and this seemed a good of time as any to, to uh, try it, and that's kind of a, maybe an ongoing series. We'll see how this one does, yeah. how people think about it, where we discuss process the processes we use when we make this podcast, which sounds really boring, but how we think both for the podcast and then personally and professionally and, and, and kind of how we evaluate information as it comes across our desk. <laughs> our proverbial <laughs> desk. <laughs> our, our, our very metaphorical desk. Right. Yeah. And, and actually, like we we want to share this kind of stuff because more and more we're coming across people who well first of all don't even take the time to read the article but also don't have the skills that they need to take into account all the things that influence um, the headline that you're reading and the article that goes with it Um, so we thought if we take some time to to go through our thought processes it would give us an opportunity to share some of those skills with you our listeners 
and hopefully help you improve your own life and maybe other people improve theirs. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time we we rely on the expertise of the people that have done the research in order to present the information. We don't really like asking you, the audience, to rely on what we are telling you mm -hmm. to make your uh, arguments because our expertise is not, <laughs> it's almost never in the fields that we're talking about. Right. However, I think both of our different fields actually lend themselves pretty well to this particular discussion about um, what well, we're going to focus on news headlines and and how the wording in them can drive can drive perception and and how that wording might be used to i don't want to say manipulate but manipulate <laughs> to yes to 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 elicit a specific reaction from the person reading it right um because i think headlines are the first thing anybody sees and like you said they're all that most people see <laughs> they just yes read the headlines um so there's definitely there's an art and a science to headline writing and they it is it is done for a very particular reason so you have to be right. careful when you're reading it and yeah. robin you've touched on it you know but your industry, you work in marketing. Yeah, marketing and communications. Um, and anymore, that motivator, the reason that they write that headline is for the click, but not so that you'll read the article because online journalists get nothing when you read their article. They get their funding from the advertisers on their website. So the the metrics that they use in order to drive their advertising rates are a number of clicks to the site per day or per month, depending on, on the particular website. So the more people they can get to their website in a day or a month, the higher rates they charge for advertising. That's, that's it. Um, that's their driver. So these headlines are written specifically to get you to click through to that website, regardless of what is in the actual article. That's why in the, in the worst extremes, you see clickbait, which are a, a huge personal pet peeve of mine. I hate clickbait article headlines. And there are two types, I think. There's probably more, but there's two types that I see of, of clickbait headlines. One of them is the um, doctors hate her. Find out the seven tips <laughs> of never <laughs> <Yes>. aging headline. <laughs> um, and then there's the the sort of quote unquote serious news source headlines that are still clickbait yeah and they're usually something along the lines of like um biden director slams x official about y right and it's i mean that's still clickbait it's just a little more subtle <laughs> my personal favorite I, I like the list aggregators so it's like the hundred craziest ways that people have quit their jobs. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. are and my it's always particular just, favorites. Yeah. And it, those articles, those two, that's like one of the, that first one that I brought up, those low effort ones. Yeah. Those websites are specifically designed to drive traffic. 
They don't yeah. care at all about the content of whatever they're oh, writing. Oh, God, no. It's just advertisements all over the place. Yeah. That's it. And if you are unfortunate enough to click on one of those links, you will, I mean, burn your computer, first of all, because yeah. that's the only thing that's going to save it from what's coming. Um, and yeah. you will, you'll see. It's just the article itself might be two paragraphs, three paragraphs, but the scroll bar is going to be this, like, tiny yeah. thing and every inch of of space on that is going to be just consumed by these yeah horrible ads that usually link to other clickbait sites yeah or otherwise you get the um slideshow option which there are 196 slides for like the 10 most surprising things ups drivers have ever done and oh god i hate yeah. that yeah not that we and, haven't yeah. all fallen into a click hole like things get desperate at 2 a.m we all we've all been there but but yeah it's bad yeah but yeah it's because every single click registers as a a unique event which they can then take to the advertisers and they can say hey this is how many clicks we get on our on our website per x amount of time give us money so anyway that just comes back to why we're having this is because headlines have become i think more uh sensational yeah than perhaps they used to be and i was doing i was doing some some lighter research um on stuff along these lines earlier today and some of the stuff i found was that you know journalism in particular but marketing in general has started marketing has done this for a long time journalism is trending more (laughs) emotional yeah in its content because it drives user engagement mm-hmm. and if the user is more engaged then they are more likely to keep coming back for that content and the more times they return to the website the more these websites can charge for their yeah. advertising the more money they make so it behooves journalists of of all stripes really um, to have some emotional undercurrent in what they're writing the problem comes in when the focus of that article turns to emotion. Yeah. Right? So there's a balance. You can have, I think, emotion in your broadcasting, in your journalism, in what you write. Anybody who says Walter Cronkite never had any emotional investment right. in what he was talking about right. never actually watched Walter Cronkite. He was a master news presenter for a reason. Yeah. And it wasn't because he presented a super dry reading of the facts. Exactly. I mean, I got I got my my journalism degree, my undergrad degree in 2009. Um, and that was kind of right as the shift to online journalism was happening. And there were discussions in all of my classes of how does a journalist keep up in a world of online news in this online news space, it used to be that the local newspaper had a basically a captive audience. It didn't matter what the headline was, you were going to read it. Because if you wanted the news, you didn't really have much of a choice. You had your TV news and you had your newspaper. And now there are as many online news outlets as people can think of. And there's no journalistic standard. There's no credibility standard. Anybody can spin up an online news site. And so Headlines, even from the most reliable news sources, have to compete with the most sensational headlines because in these reliable news organizations, 
credibility is still an issue. It's still important. Um, but to Joe Blow over here, who wants to make his own whatever affiliated news site, he doesn't give a crap about journalistic credibility. So CNN and NBC and CBS, all of their headlines have to compete with crazy radical news sites on both sides in order to get your click, number one, to get your business and number two, to get your advertising dollars. It's it's yeah. crazy anymore. Yeah, we've mentioned a um, a window, a sort of range uh, in politics here before that anything that falls within that window is considered the norm. It's the 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 median, mm-hmm. uh, and then anything that falls outside of that window is considered extreme, either to the left or right. Uh, that theory doesn't just apply to politics; it applies to our media as well, and what we are seeing is as this battle between the people who utilize news for monetary gain in order to drive traffic for ad exposure and the people who make their money with the news but also are a traditional like news organization that the primary goal is to present content that people want to read because it's good content versus content that people want to read because it is a confirmation fulfilling (laughs) source, right? So we have this battle going on between the two, very generally the two industries and it's dragging that it's called the Overton window. I didn't name it earlier. It's dragging that window towards the extreme end because it has to, that window will have to adjust because in order to compete with these people, the more mainstream news organizations have to start kind of employing some of of those tactics. I say have to, I guess technically they don't have to, but if they don't, they're going to lose out on revenue because they are a business. Right. So you're going to see that window get dragged further and further towards this more sensationalized uh, view. Um, So Robin, you bring a very good eye and a very good mind for how marketing is at play in the industry. Like you literally know this. Yeah. Um, You have the schooling for it. You have the professional, you know, experience for it. I, on the other hand, am not that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Those are not my strengths. Um, But I would, I, would posit to the listenership that in my own career field, it is very important that I am critical of the information that we are being given and I know how to ask the questions about it. And one of the skills that I practice every single day is to take some information that is being given to me and ask, what is this information saying? What is this information implying? And what is this information not saying very specifically? Right. Because a lot of the time you will have somebody who says one thing, they're implying a second thing. And depending on the listener, they might think the third thing that was not said, but they believe that to be true based on what was actually said. And that sort of assumption can be very dangerous, especially on a national level. You don't want to be 
making a reaction to information that's based on something that you thought was said but never was actually said. Right. So that's, I think, I would argue, and it's up for the listener to determine, the strength that I am bringing to this is that is that is what I do daily. That is my job. And between the two of us, I think we do a pretty good job. We've done it behind the scenes because that's how we do our research, but uh, we do a pretty good job shredding a lot of stuff before it actually makes it to the podcast <laughs> itself <laughs> because yes. it just doesn't meet what we're what, right. It doesn't meet what we expect. Yeah. Um, out of out of either the sources that we use or uh, the way that that information is presented, where we we try to be picky. Sometimes we are a little limited in you know where we can pull information from depending right. on the topic. Um, so we're gonna pull back the curtain a little bit today. We're almost twenty minutes into this bad boy <laughs> we actually haven't done what we meant to do but all right I, let's let's actually get started on we're this gonna then. do it so, though let's do it okay where are we starting we're starting with let's read the headline first let's just read the headline okay we'll talk about it right we'll let the listeners bre- reach their own conclusions about things like who wrote the headline who the intended audience is like what the headline is trying to establish as we discuss it. And then at the end, we will reveal who wrote that headline. Okay. 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 We'll, we'll game. So okay. hit me with the first headline we're going to talk about. Oh, this one's good. It's so good. Exclusive video. Watch Roger Stone's Oathkeeper bodyguards practice headshots to hashtag stop Antifa. It's evocative. It's a potpourri of emotion that gets just drawn out of you immediately, right? That image, it's so visceral and, ah, God, practicing headshots. I mean, the imagery that the headline alone evokes is just like, bam. The message you have on reading that headline, what I see is... As, a, as just a person, not as a professional, but as a, just a person, what I see is like these, these terrible people doing terrible things that I would expect from terrorists, right? It's just like, this is so bad. Like, what does, what does that elicit in you just as a person? Yeah, no, I'm reading that headline and I'm like, I'm immediately picturing like... When you get the the context of bodyguard, Roger Stone's bodyguards, I'm seeing like dudes in suits, like at a range with these things pop up. It's like a movie scene. And then they just bam, bam, headshots and then move on to the next one. Right. It's like the systematic training. They're going to like they're going to stop Antifa and like the things that pop up have, I don't know, Antifa T-shirts or something you know, like we, like we talked about actually in our Antifa episodes, like there's no specific uniform, right? So right, I don't know what t-shirt they would be wearing, but my, my brain just, really wants there to be one based on that headline. Yeah. They, they're they in the, the traditional Antifa uniform, which is just black. They're just, they're just all in black. They're just all in black. <laughs> um, so obviously, like, I think anybody listening to that can see right off the bat this is emotionally laden, right? right? Imagery, violence. Um, you've got, you, I mean, it sets up this war 
right off the bat. You've got the Oath Keepers on one side. You've got Antifa on the other side. Like they're implied, even though they're not in the headline doing something. Yeah. You know, like that's that's like. Uh, it's just it's it's got all of the markings of like a Hollywood movie just right there. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. That's that's the image that you saw. And I'm pretty sure that was the intent behind it. Right. And then you right? add to it exclusive video, which basically tells the reader, if I'm going to see this, I have to see it here. Like, I'm not getting oh, yeah, this anywhere else. But do I want to watch these Oath Keepers practice their headshots to stop Antifa? You bet I do. Doesn't matter right. which side you're on. You want to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. Like. If you're an Oath Keeper, you're like, yeah, I'm going to watch these guys get it. Like, And then if you're Antifa, you're like, yeah, I'm going to watch these monsters and validate every conception that I have right. about these people. Like, it's, yeah. It's basically so a perfectly see, crafted headline. For for those purposes, exactly. So what I was going to ask you, like, what what do you see uh, from, from, like, a marketing perspective, from a journalism perspective? What does this bring to you? I mean, honestly, if you just break it down from the very beginning, first, you've got the exclusivity. Everybody wants something that somebody else isn't going to get. And so if I found this news source and I'm watching this exclusive video, I have that superiority. I have that edge on everybody yeah, else. There's the that inside. level of exclusivity. You're, and I, yeah, literally all you have to do is say exclusive. Yeah. Um, secondly, they're telling you exactly what you're going to get to do. Watch Roger Stone's Oathkeeper Bodyguards. Like... Not only are you going to come here and read an article and we're going to tell you what happened, you get to watch this thing happen. This is and this is kind of a really interesting turn into how journalism has gone since the advent of cell phone cameras and Twitter. Basically, Um, Twitter is who we have to thank for citizen journalism. Now, if it doesn't include a video aspect, it's not quite as valuable. So number one, it's exclusive. But number two. Anybody who clicks on this not only gets to read about it, but they get to see it. And then you have that that perfect dichotomy between the Oath Keepers and Antifa who are like diametrically opposed at opposite ends of this spectrum. And it doesn't matter which side you're on, you have a vested interest in this information. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the middle, you're just basically gawking at the craziness of both sides because how could anybody right. possibly be that extreme? Right. Showed up with your popcorn. Let's go. Right. My, Michael Jackson popcorn dot gif. Yes, exactly. Then I forgot to mention the hashtag. Okay. So instead of just being able, instead of just saying, watch them practice headshots to stop Antifa, you've got quotes, hashtag stop Antifa, which anytime that you use quotes in writing, it's for one of two purposes. You're either being hyper specific or you're being incredibly sarcastic. And this is that the beautiful sarcasm paired with a hashtag. And it's dialectically, it's it's like the most condescending way you can say anything. Like that is maximum written condescension right there. Quotes and a hashtag. That's like saying it's I, like saying I'm hashtag blessed. Like everybody out okay. there knows that when you say hashtag blessed, you're referring to that aspirational, I'm going to post hashtag blessed on this Instagram picture of me with this far too expensive purse and my nine children and my luxury SUV. Like that's, it's just this, I don't know, it's just snark oozing from every word. 
It's really, really interesting. I actually would not have thought of it that way. I, I see what you're saying, and I, I think I agree with that. I was viewing that, specifically the quotation, um, as being a, I'm not telling you this is why they were doing it. Ah. This is why they told us that they were doing it. This is a direct quote, so you don't have to take my word for it. Right. This is why they were doing it. Which And, and if you right. don't click through and you don't read the article, you'll never know which one it is, right? Right. Which, when I look at this headline, I see, first of all, I see a a claim and not just any claim like a big claim this is this is hard hitting like stop the presses oath keepers were shooting dummies in the heads because they wanted to shoot people in the head right this is a huge claim now what i want having seen a huge claim i want a um, corresponding amount or level of evidence to go with it Mm -hmm. what i want to see in this article i want to see somebody who is a known oath keeper shooting a dummy or a target in the head saying they're doing it to stop antifa i want to see those three things right to support this claim i want to see direct evidence of the oath keepers saying they're doing it to stop antifa and that is what i expect from this headline that direct causal relationship. I don't want you to have to walk me through why the Oath Keepers are doing this to stop Antifa. I want right. it to be just as it is here in the title. I want it to be on the tin. Because anything other than that, as an analyst, I am thinking, okay, you are injecting something into that. You are bringing mm-hmm. something to your interpretation that I don't know if I can trust that. That information is that what was said. Is that what was implied or is that what was specifically not said? So that's what I'm looking for. Was this specifically said or was it implied? Right. Those two especially. Um, so you kind of got there earlier. What does the reality of the article bring us? Well, the reality of the article is is just legitimately a convoluted path through the fact that prosecutors have charged some oath keepers and some oath keepers went to a gunfight oriented training session in September and October in Florida and some of those same oath keepers maybe later served as bodyguards for Roger Stone during the Capitol riot but also they didn't say anything about stopping Antifa the instructor at the the gun range used that hashtag when he posted the video and the photos from this training way back in September. It's, it's basically just a long winding road through not the things they promise you in the headline. It's not something like in the defense of the writers, it is not a illogical conclusion. Right. Like they, they build a case that I could see being the truth. However, one thing that is one thing that is true is that the person who actually used the hashtag stop Antifa was never in this article said to be an oath keeper himself. Right. He was just the guy who instructed them. And there's no 
information in here that says that they were taking that training specifically to combat Antifa, right? So what is set up in the headline is that Oath Keepers are doing it to fight Antifa. Right. The reality of the situation is that the instructor is the one who said stop Antifa. The Oath Keepers, while they may have had maybe some nebulous idea about Antifa in mind, were more likely taking this training. And this is an implication. This is my opinion. Mm -hmm. But it is more likely that they were taking it with a generalized, I am doing this to protect America mentality against enemies, plural and undefined. So... Yeah, there's a lot of crap going on that is not great. These are I'm not saying these are great people by any means, but I don't know that the headline delivers on the package it promised. Right. Now, it does give you a 10-minute video, and I will fully admit to not having watched this entire 10-minute video. I'm just going by the article because most of us don't have 10 minutes to watch some Oath Keepers do a gun-oriented training course. Now, the you pointed this out, though. The video has a different title than the article. Yeah, the video's title is actually, Here's How Oath Keepers Train to Hashtag Stop Antifa. The train is in quotes, too. And that is definitely yes, a that snarky is. quote thing. Um, so I will also point out that the training that these people attended is actually not that uncommon it's not it's not like the guys up in was it michigan montana michigan yeah michigan thank you Mm -hmm. who were running their own ops specifically to kidnap uh gretchen whitmer right yeah like that was different that's not what was happening this is a business that operates these tactical training courses uh for profit So it's not in the same vein, even though I think that might be the spirit of what is trying to be implied here. Right. Like these are um, when we did our concealed carry, my husband and I several years ago, these these kinds of courses were presented to us as like continuing education. Basically, you have the basics that you need in order to conceal carry a weapon should you so choose. But if you basically if you actually want to use it effectively in a situation where you feel like you might need it, these are the the further education training courses that might be most helpful to you. And it was definitely more stuff like this. Yeah, it's it's not uncommon at all. So from my my three points, what is said was one thing. It the implications of what was being said are really being heavily, heavily relied on here to sell yeah. the narrative. And then what was specifically not said was, you know, a lot. <laughs> a lot <laughs> a of lot. things were very specifically not said. You right. know, you know, nobody that I could, again, maybe in the video it's different. We just were going on the article here. Maybe in the video they said that they're here to train against Antifa or something like that, but... You know, we have no indication here that they were actually training to set up that sort of dichotomy. It's just a lot of mm, mm, mm. very skeptical about this. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Um, So now that we've talked about it, who actually wrote this article? What's the news agency? This one's from Mother Jones, which is uh, pretty far on the left spectrum. 
Yeah. Knowing that now, you can see where they bring that bias to the writing. Right. They know they have an audience here. They know what they're trying to sell. Right. They know the likely people that are going to be on their website that are going to click on this that are going to drive that traffic. Um, and it is it is written for those people. I yeah. think it's, it's fairly safe to say. This is outrage traffic from a, a source like this. You, they are looking for people who are left sympathetic and who are going to be outraged by the idea that uh, that these right-wing backwards folks would actually specifically train to take on Antifa. Exactly right. I'm going to give you the next headline now. I'm so excited about this particular one. Popular children's author has book canceled over passive racism. Oh, passive yes. racism in apostrophe quotes. Yeah. Single. Single which quotes. Is always, which is always weird. Yeah. And in fact, the, sub, the subtitle also has the single quote. <laughs> it does. Which it I, does. Interest me. I, that might be a standard that I'm not aware of. Looking at this one, I mean, this one's pretty straightforward. What do you, yeah. What is what? What image does it evoke in you? When you well, first of all, anytime, um, anytime that you use the phrase "canceled," and it is not in direct reference to a service and or television show being legitimately canceled, stopped, ended, um, we know for a fact that that's a reference to this cultural phenomenon of people choosing to boycott or speak out against something that was previously popular and now no longer can be generally because of some cultural misstep. Hmm. So the fact that it includes that term in the title and then gives us quotes around passive racism. Um, I'm just, again, I'm getting a whole lot of condescension from this one. And then when you, when right. you compare that to the, the popular children's author label, that basically just tells us somebody who everybody probably already knew and loved has now suddenly been canceled over, quote unquote, something he did that was bad. Yeah. As a person, that's what I'm getting from this, too. Some beloved member of my childhood or of my children's childhood, an author that is you know, important to our cultural lexicon, who is, you know, just writing these incredible tales of, of simple characters doing things that our children love, right? He has been thrown out on the street, out on his, on his keister, and yep. now must fight off rats in the dumpster to <laughs> eat cold pizza and survive. Like that's, that's kind of like right. this level of condescension it's building up this sort of like this has been done against this person's will right you know he has had his book canceled popular children's author has book canceled makes it what is being said is that the author has the book canceled what is being implied is that the book was canceled against the author's wishes and the way that this sentence is set up mm -hmm. right not what they're saying but it's heavily implied here and then what's not being said is, you know, uh, again, a whole lot of things. We can't really draw much from this particular headline. So as I'm analyzing this, I want to know the circumstances 
I want to know, wow, what happened to get this book canceled? Why was this book canceled? I want to know who the author was, of course. Right, obviously. Because it's been dangled. That's it kind of clickbaity there. It's not, they won't give you the author's name. You have to click on the article to right. get the author's name, which to my analytical side is actually kind of a red flag because it makes me wonder if they determined that they weren't going to, they would get more traffic by saying popular children's author instead of using the author's actual name. Yeah. Is he actually, or is she actually a popular children's author? Or are you telling me that this person is popular so that I react to what the news is right, and get that emotional response out of me? Yeah, I definitely, looking at this, you know, the first thought is, well, who is it? And if they were canceled, well, then obviously, obviously it's not worth actual outrage. It's only worth cancel outrage. Hmm. Which they then confirm with the quotes around passive racism. Going through the article here, it what happened <laughs> is not that. Nope. It is, this isn't Dr. Seuss first of all, but it is very similar to the Dr. Seuss fiasco. And in fact, that's actually the second sentence in the article is the announcement came weeks after six Dr. Seuss books were similarly canceled over allegations of racist imagery. (laughs) Which also is not what happened. Yeah. Again, (laughs) again, one, not what happened Two, not mere allegations. You can look at it yourself. (laughs) Um, But There's a reason they worded it that way. Yes. Uh, This whole article actually is just dripping with with getting your outrage ginned up. Mm -hmm. As a consumer of this, it is this whole article is designed to make you mad. Look at how unreasonable these people are being in canceling this beloved children's author and his glorious works. Exactly. And removing them from our children's lives. (gasps) I know, right? So what actually happened was, and I guess credit to the news organization that published this for giving the actual statement about what happened, um, is that in partnership with the author himself, after the author was told, hey, this book you wrote is kind of problematic, Scholastic and the author pulled the book from shelves and from being produced. But I have to say... Like even mm. in even in the part where they said that they did that in partnership, full support, indicating they had full support from the author is also in quotes. Right. Even though most likely the full support is a direct quote. I would I would bet you the author said, yes, they have my full support to do this or something along those lines. Right. The use of those quotation marks is sending implying it is implying a different message. Yes. It, it is saying. But was it really? But was it really? Like, was it really full right. support? Or was he is is somebody holding a gun to his head and making him say that? You know. It's just so silly. I I'll the book the book was The Adventures of Ook and Gluck, Kung Fu Cavemen from the Future. Anybody? No. And who who? Any uh, if any one of our listeners can honestly tell me that they know that book. And the author, before I tell you, I, I, I'll i buy you a hamburger. 
Right. I would like, I'll, I'll be shocked. Yeah. I'll be this shocked. author is not known for this book. Not even close. This is an offshoot. This is not his main work at all. <sighs> the author is Dave, um, Dave Pilkey. Again, if you can tell me what he is actually known for, it's Captain Underpants. It's Captain yeah, Underpants. He's I could, the author of Captain Underpants. My kids love Captain Underpants. Right. But, but I mean, if you don't have kids, like if you don't actively have kids who are in that age group where underwear humor is hilarious, there's an excellent chance right. you don't know who this is. Yeah. So is he like the 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 conflict again that was set up by this headline is just so devastating. And the payoff is like, what? Really? And I can see by the time you get to the end of this article, if you weren't actively thinking about stuff like that, you'd be like, yeah, this is, this is, this is really bad. The last, the last two sentences are Pilkey explained that Scholastic is, quote, actively working to purge, that's not in quotes, to purge existing copies of the book, quote, from retail and library shelves, end quote. He added that he would donate his advance and royalties earned from the book to charities. Right. And repeatedly throughout the article, they make it a point to say that Scholastic has not come out and said what passive racism, again, in quotes, the book contains. Um, And every time it uses words like that, racial stereotypes, in quotes, harmful to Asians, in quotes, they make a very big point of essentially implying, look, we don't know what the big deal is. No one will tell us what's so racist about this book. That's the yeah, subtext the whole, of this entire article. Yeah. The, the, the whole implication of this article is, is this is, this is baloney. This is absolutely, this is ruining America. It's kind of, <laughs> honestly, it's kind of presented like observational comedy, like in tone. Right. Racial stereotypes that are harmful to Asians. What's up with that? You know, like, it's just. (sighs) Right. Right. It's It's bad. It is just as outrage driven as the last one that we talked about. Yep. Absolutely. It is harnessing people's outrage in order to get them hooked. And uh, I think it will come as no surprise to anybody that this was published by The Blaze. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. yeah, my my computer search history is ruined. Yeah, for you, the listener, I will have to throw my entire computer away now. Yeah, we've been we have been to places on the internet today looking for yeah. these terrible headlines that no one should go to. Gross, gross. Um, so we're gonna do one more thing. We cover two headlines from each side. What uh, what we decided we were going to do to wrap this up is cover the same story, like take one story and find headlines from uh, different organizations, one from the left, one from the right, uh, one who could be considered the center. Although looking at the source that is being actually we didn't pull this right. together, uh, allsides.com did. It's actually a pretty cool website. You should check them out. They didn't pay us to say that. Nope. Um, but if they want to, they can. But they could. Yeah, exactly. If you want to, what up? Um, 
but the 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 source that was used for the center is probably going to raise a few eyebrows about it actually being center, but it's fine. It's fine. Right. Okay. Uh, now that I look at it. Um, so do you want to take the right headline or the left headline? I'll take the other Ooh, one. I will take the right headline. All right. Hit me. Okay. CNN dismisses Redfield theory coronavirus came from Wuhan lab as, quote, controversial and, quote, without evidence. God. How's that hit your ear? What are you feeling when you read that? Just as a, as a, if you can remove your professional sense, like, what does that ev- evoke? Uh, well, the fact that they call out CNN, right? Like, my first gut instinct is that this is somebody who has positioned themselves on the opposite side of CNN. Uh, so this mm-hmm. is probably supposed to be an attack on their credibility. Uh, we know, we know that this is a thing, but CNN dismissed this, this theory right. as controversial and without yeah. evidence. Like, like we're supposed to be outraged at the dismissal, not the theory itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's it's shifting the focus from the story, the actual story, right. which is what Redfield's theory is, Correct. to the other side. How dare they? How dare they, they dismiss this it just out of hand? This paragon of of virtue and scientific right. metal that is Doctor Redfield. Right. So yeah. Again, it's like what's being said is CNN dismissed this. What's being implied is, you know, CNN is their elitist. You know, they dismissed something. They think they're right. in a position to do such a thing. Exactly. Um, and what's not being said, again, that's a, that's a very broad category. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know, how, do you, how does it feel from a marketing perspective? Effective, not effective, utilizing some good, um, good stuff? I mean, yeah, they're, they're utilizing some really good keywords here. Um, you have to have a little bit of background, not much, um, but you have to, you have to do have a little bit of background to know exactly who, uh, Robert Redfield is and why he would have a theory, even that the coronavirus came from a Wuhan lab, but they're getting at really, really big conspiracy talking points here. Hmm. Like this is a huge, huge conspiracy um, and not just in the super deep, deep QAnon conspiracy groups. This is this is something that's fairly widespread on more right leaning uh, in more right leaning groups. So this idea that the the coronavirus actually came from a lab um, is something that is a discussable talking point in a lot of of right leaning groups. Um, so the fact that they're they're saying, well, CNN is just dismissing it out of hand like this is this is perfectly tailored to that group because they already think yeah. that CNN is elitist and left leaning and hates, you know, everyone yeah. who sits right hates, of center. Hates real America and, and especially hates white men. Probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so this it's just this is written for a very specific audience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it hits hits all of that conspiracy sort of I knew it red meat that drives traffic yeah um from the left however the headline on that side of this this is by the way this is all talking about an interview that happened on CNN 
that was given on, uh, I believe, I think it aired today, actually. Um, or maybe it was on Friday. Maybe, Recently. Yeah. Recently. Sometime in the last couple um, days. Yeah. So this is, this is, these are reactions to that. Sorry, you should have prefaced that at the beginning. So the left headline is, The CDC's ex-director offers no evidence in favoring speculation that the coronavirus originated in a lab. <laughs> Which, yeah. Yeah. So to, to me, I, as a person, as just an individual reading this, I'm getting a sort of um, almost scoffing vibe from this. You yeah. know, it's just like, this guy again. Um, analyzing it a little more, it is built to discredit Dr. Redfield from the get-go. Yeah. It doesn't use his name. He is referred to simply as the CDC's ex-director. Right. So he's not even imp- he's not even important enough to give his name, let alone actually have a valid opinion anymore. He's the ex-director. Psh, who's this guy? Right. Who's this guy? And then followed up immediately with no evidence, and then favoring, and then speculation. Right. All of those words back to back to back give this impression of. Somebody who doesn't know what he's talking about, who's being biased, and who's just guessing. Just right, right off the bat. That's that's what I'm getting from this. And so what what is being said is are these direct words using what I'm talking about. What's being implied is that this guy, this guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. What a fool. Anything stand out to you from your perspective? Uh no, basically, basically that's just it. If the if the right headline was intended to discredit CNN as a source. This one is intended to discredit um, Mr. Redfield himself. Just is it Mr. It's Doctor Doctor Redfield. That's is it not, though? Because yeah, he's a virologist, but he does not have acronyms he, after his name. It, uh, the article itself refers to him as Doctor. Does Robert it Redfield? Okay, yeah. Because I like I was specifically trying to look at that, and he's a virologist, and I know that you can be you can be a research scientist. Scientist, in the medical field yeah. without actually being a doctor. So I want I'm fairly to be... I'm fairly certain he is actually a doctor. Like not not necessarily a medical doctor, but a research doctor. Right. Um yeah. So the article refers to him as that. I think it's fair. Okay. <laughs> fair. Fair Works enough. Works for me. Yeah. So yeah. The from the right, from the left, depending on where you're getting your news, it's setting up this sort of the other side doesn't know what they're talking about. Now and that might not be apparent from the from the left article, but Dr. Redfield, especially while Trump was in office, was kind of given this sort of he didn't always toe the line with the Trump administration, but it was close enough that there was sort of this, again, implication that right. he was Trump's man. So it, it indirectly, both of these guys are taking pot shots at the political opposite. Yeah. Hit us with what what is the what is the maybe least biased headline? Okay. The least biased headline here still is a little biased, I'm gonna be honest. But mm-hmm. it says Trump's CDC director makes shocking statement about origin of COVID nineteen in Wuhan lab. Anytime anytime I see 
an emotional word in the headline, I'm automatically just like, ugh. I, I'm approaching reading this with so much, so much doubt, so much skepticism. Yeah. I don't need to be told that this is shocking. Right. 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 Like if I was going to fix this headline to make it completely unbiased, I would take Trump out and I would maybe choose a different, different adjective than shocking. Um, And then you've got basically a normal headline. Yeah, right. Uh, Former CDC director, Dr. Redfield, makes statement about his opinion of the origin of COVID-19 in Wuhan. Right. That would be a factual reporting of what actually happened. And that's what I was going to get to. In reality, what Dr. Redfield said was it was his opinion that the coronavirus that causes COVID-19 inadvertently escaped, in quotes, from a lab at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. His actual words were, were, I'm of the point of view that I still think the most likely etiology of this pathology in Wuhan was from a laboratory, escaped. Other people don't believe that. That's fine. Science will eventually figure it out. Right. That is what he actually said. And you can see how the headlines that we have read take that rather bland, honestly, opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a conspiratorial opinion, but it's it's like, okay... You know, and I I was watching the part of the interview that that came from, and he really did couch that in a sort of, this is my opinion. I'm allowed to have an opinion. Um, I'm not saying it was done on purpose. Right. I'm not saying it was an attack. It's just, uh, there was no, I'm not implying any intentionality behind it. Yeah. It's just, I think it's most likely that this came from the research lab there. Yeah. And it's just... And that goes to the point, something that I tell people all the time when they ask me, well, how how can I know, right? How can I know if what I'm looking at is a credible news source or if they're being really biased or they're trying to make me think a certain way? And it's exactly like this, right? If, if the headline tries to draw a conclusion for you or tells you what information should be inferred, then... They've got a bias and they're trying to convince you of something. If the headline, even even this one from the center is a good example of what could maybe actually be not super biased, right? They're telling you that a person did or said a thing. They're not telling you what to think about it. They're not telling you what it means. They're telling you that he made a statement about the origin of COVID-19 in a Wuhan lab versus he offered no evidence versus, you know, their dismissal, they're dismissing his theory, right? They're dr- those right. other two headlines are drawing conclusions for you, whereas the one in the middle is mostly just telling you what somebody did or said. Yeah. This is what the article contains. It contains the CDC director making an opinion about a thing. Exactly. Um, I find... Good journalists or good, uh, good agencies, I should say, that write rather bland, yes. <laughs> but write more factual. Are you're gonna gonna be your Reuters, um, your AP? Mm-hmm. The articles that they write tend to be less editorialized, 
less shocking, less clickbaity, more right. here's what happened. Um, on occasion, like the most bias I get out of them is that they provide uh, they provide context about things that previously happened. Right. And that can be biased. Like even if it's a if it's a factual statement, depending on how you present what factually happened and like which which events you're presenting and what context you provide for those events. Like it can sort of lead the viewer or the reader to reach their own conclusion, but it's way less overt than the things that we just read. Um, We didn't ever say, but the one from the right, that was Fox news. Oh yeah. Obviously like they're attacking CNN. It's going to be Fox or OANN or Newsmax. Yeah. Right. It's Fox. I kind of, for another reason altogether that we don't have to get in today, really don't like considering OANN or Newsmax actual news reporting organizations, but that's another story. I agree. Um, the one from the left was uh, the New York Times. And then uh, the one from the center uh, with the shocking statement. That one was The Hill. So, which kind of surprised me to see it considered center. But yeah. I guess comparatively, it right. was more centrally located. To, to most of the people who fill my Facebook feed, uh, the Hill would be considered left, but yeah, a leftist rag. Yeah. Ridiculous because (laughs) that's okay. My Facebook feed gets mad about a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, man. Me too. Me too. Don't attack Ben Shapiro on your Facebook feed. Yeah. You'll get into an hours long discussion. Yeah. I may or may not be speaking from experience from this morning. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I think that about sums up what we were going to communicate. Give us some examples, kind of how we read stuff, what what's going through our mind as we uh, as we research for our what we write, and you know, maybe hopefully, hopefully you found this helpful. It'll give you some things to look out for the next time you see news coming across your desk. Exactly. Or if you I'm ever gonna... had a question about why a news source does or does not make our sources list which we do publish every single week every episode you can find our full uh, bibliography but if you ever had a question about why some news sources make it and some do not it is because of this process that we just outlined for you here that's true so i'm going to go ahead and plug us and then robin will take us out with some good news because we're still going to have that this week um if you liked what we did if you would like to send us a congratulatory statement. You can reach us in a bunch of different ways. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find us on all three of those platforms by searching Fireside Breakdowns. We will pop up. If you have a question for us, you can send it to us there or at our email, firesidebreakdowns at gmail.com. And we would greatly appreciate it if, if you are so moved as to leave us a review. Um, You can do that by visiting our webpage. It will walk you through it uh, based on whatever platform that you listen to and uh, and make it real easy for you. I would like to thank at this time the latest review from scanon91011 who left us a review on iTunes this last week. And um, I got to say, made me real happy it was a good review so thank you so much for taking the time to do that and uh and we hope that we can continue 
to provide content that you find valuable and worthy of your time. Excellent. All right. Ready for some good news? Yeah. All right. Hit me. This week, Dr. Rachel Levine, or Levine, made history Mm. as the first openly transgender person to be confirmed to a federal office by the Senate. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that we absolutely consider transgender women's history to be women's history. So we're excited to celebrate this this um, confirmation. She is the Assistant Secretary of Health for the Health and Human Services Department and will also be the highest ranking openly transgender official in U.S. history, which is freaking fantastic. That's awesome news. That uh, makes me very happy. And on that note, thank you so much. Oh, I did promise. I did promise that I would tell people how the second shot made me feel. Uh, oh, how yeah. that went. Pretty smooth. Again, uh, barely felt the shot itself. Uh, I will say the day of the shot, no big deal. The next day, I had some very mild nausea and I was kind of tired. My work gave me free leave to take off. So I took the day off anyway. Didn't really need to, but figured why I kill myself working through nausea that I don't have to. So yeah, a little nauseated, no big deal. It was completely gone by gosh, the afternoon. Um, I had no trouble sleeping the night before the night after. That's awesome. So yeah, pretty simple, pretty good. And, uh, I hope everybody else's experiences are similarly easy until next week, our next episode. Thank you very much. And uh, everybody take care of each other. (laughs) 